Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Greetings to those who watch below. As always, I would like to start this video by thanking Ghost City Shelton, Lefty Kim, Lisa Watts, and Steffi Ray for being part of Those Who Dwell Below, an exclusive membership for the channel. If you'd like to join them, hit the link in the description box below. It's that time of month again. Time for a roundup of some true creepy Reddit stories. So sit down, hold tight. And let's begin. Chased by strange people in the woods with a large bag by Methhead Jerry. I've had a number of odd and frightening experiences in the woods, since I'm a huge outdoors guy and pretty much outside all the time I can manage it. This happened when I was much younger. I want to say freshman in high school, probably like 2008. There used to be this road near where I lived in California, called Croak Road. It was barely a road, no one travelled on it, and it was surrounded by small patches of forest and some abandoned barns and houses. I would typically go there with my friends to skateboard and hang out. This one night I was hanging out with two of my friends, Lucas and Dorian, and someone wanted to go to Croak Road, since it was creepy there at night. It might sound lame, but we loved exploring like a bunch of fifth graders, and weren't really into smoking or anything, so what else was there to do? I asked my 20-year-old brother James if he could drive us down into one of the large nature reserves by the road. This specific reserve was larger than the others, and had a network of gravel paths leading through it. Basically, we were looking for unexplored territory to hike in. Soon, one particular path we were travelling down had become so narrow, James's Ford Explorer couldn't pass through it. So, we got out and walked for a while, chatting and just having fun. We walked through the woods for about half an hour, until it had gotten relatively dark out, and the sun was gone, at which point we turned around and headed back to the car. It's now I should mention that despite being near a lot of sub-developments, this patch of forest was huge, and rarely visited since it was easy to get lost in, especially at night. It was a challenge getting the car turned around, but James managed it, and we were off down the road. Dorian proposed we turn down a different path we had passed by earlier, since we had about another 40 minutes until our parents wanted us back, and we agreed. Down this path was a tiny pond Dorian wanted to check out, to take pictures of, since he hadn't got the opportunity to visit it at night. It was slow going, since this road was even crappier than the main one we were travelling on, that turned off of Croke Road. Minutes later, we got into a slight argument, Dorian was convinced James had taken a wrong turn, since we should have arrived at the pond by now, while James claimed that he had been driving straight the whole time. It was dark after all. Eventually, we came to a fork in the road that none of us were familiar with. None of us knew which way to go, so ended up guessing and going left, hoping that both directions would ultimately lead back to the main path. None of us were scared or anything, 
In fact, we were actually excited and intrigued, driving through seemingly the middle of nowhere at night. It was at this point we rounded a small bend in the road, and the headlights fell upon a surreal sight. There were four figures emerging from the forest and crossing the road, wearing what looked to be long cloaks with the hoods up and holding flashlights. One guy at the back of the group was dragging a large duffel bag, a human-sized duffel bag. We all froze and stopped mid-conversation, and as soon as our high beams landed on the four figures, they froze as well. James pulled to the left and went around them. Driving past them felt like an eternity, because we couldn't have been going over five miles an hour due to the shitty condition of the road. Sitting in the passenger seat, I could see them inches beyond my window. They were indeed wearing black robes and holding flashlights. I didn't get a good look at the bag, but judging by the way the guy was holding it, something heavy was inside the bag. None of us said a word until the road straightened out and we were far past these guys, at which point James just muttered, what the hell was that? We continued down the road in silence until I heard Lucas say, holy shit, and repeat himself in a louder panic voice. He said, they're fucking coming back. I twisted around in my chair to see Lucas pointing out the back window. I could barely see anything, but about a hundred yards away, we saw the beams of four flashlights shaking erratically. The guys were, without a doubt, running after us. All of us screamed at James to floor it, and he sped down the road. The car was bouncing and shaking uncontrollably as we flew over berms and potholes. I kept my eyes on the flashlight beams until we rounded another bend in the road, and they were out of sight. Thankfully, the path did manage to take us back to the main path. James gunned it down the path until we popped off by Croke Road and got, a, and got the hell out of there. The weirdest thing about it was, there couldn't have been a vehicle anywhere near those guys for 50 miles in either direction. We would have seen one if there had been. We'd explored most of the area before, and there wasn't anywhere to pull off the road and park. We didn't say anything more until we were back at my place. We talked about it for a bit, and then my friends went home, and James and I went to bed. I didn't know if we should have called the cops or not, but James seemed reluctant, so I dropped it. I still wish to know how the hell they got there, where they were going, and what was in the bag. True Story of a Creepy Night Shift by Nachstick I'm from Germany, and work at an old people's home in a little German town. The facility was in a rural area on the outskirts of the town. One night, I had a night shift with a new co-worker I'd never worked with before. He was in his mid-fifties and wore little round glasses, and for some reason seemed a bit strange to me at first glance. There was only ever two people working alone in the facility at night, and our job was to watch over about a hundred rooms on three floors, and to make rounds throughout the whole facility. We weren't allowed to use the elevators for security reasons at night, and had to use the stairwells instead. I remember the strange weather that night. It was stormy and wild outside when my shift started at about ten. At this time, most of the other personnel had gone. There was only one older nurse in the station room on the second floor, where we had our headquarters at night. She wasn't used to the newer PC programs, and it usually took her longer to finish her admin work. 
Me and my co-worker started our first round through the house, using the stairways, which had heavy doors we had to close slowly and carefully every time, to avoid noise. Everything was quiet. Most old people were sleeping already, and after we checked all the rooms, we sat down in the second floor station room and finished some paperwork. The old nurse was gone by now, and all doors to the outside were shut. The house was completely silent as we sat there at the table. After about 15 minutes of sitting in the silence, suddenly a heavy door in the stairway was smashed hard. We looked at each other without saying anything, and immediately bolted towards the noise. I ran up to the third floor, and my workmate sprinted down to the ground floor. We saw nothing or nobody. We even checked the stairway windows. All of them were closed. Somebody must have been in the stairwell, we concluded. As we found nothing, we continued our rounds, starting from the third floor down to the ground floor. From then on, I couldn't stop thinking who the hell would sneak around the floors at the middle of the night. It was around 2am, and we had to change the beds of an old man who had unfortunately wet the bed. I stood in the corner of the room beside the bed, back up against the wall, while my co-worker was on the other side. I remember watching the door, waiting as if someone was about to peer into the room. While I was concentrating on the door and lost in my thought, suddenly my co-worker freaked out, screaming at the old man for nothing, ripping around the sheets and tossing them everywhere. His face got an angry, creepy look, and I was totally shocked and not able to say or do anything. I just watched this creepy guy in front of me, with the totally black windows behind him, and the door leading to the dark floors, where someone sneaked around unseen. I stood there, pressed against the wall in the corner of the room, and felt totally lost, surrounded by psychopaths. We finally reached the ground floor, and everything was quiet, only a breeze blowing around the home. Suddenly, we heard a sound. It was a metallic clang, like somebody had dropped a knife or something. It came from the kitchen area. We ran to the closed glass door where the noise came from. It was a long and dark hallway, with a back door leading to the trash cans and parking lot at the end. We opened the door and searched every room within the kitchen area. It felt extremely uncomfortable, and I expected an attack at any moment. Again, we found nothing. Some hours later, we started our last tour for the night. We split up this time, and I checked the rooms like usual. When I looked in one room, a lady was awake and sat on her bed. She turned and asked me if I was in her room five minutes ago. I said no, we'd only just started our route. She told me that five minutes ago she clearly heard somebody enter her room. She asked who's there, but didn't get a reply. Then, the door shut again. I got a terrible feeling while listening to the lady. I told her to push the alarm button next time something like that happened. I think it's unnecessary to say how I felt for the next few hours. Every time I entered a room or walked around a corner, I expected to see some stranger standing there. I was so glad when that damn shift was over. Some days later, I met the old nurse who left the facility late at night and told her my story. She told me that the back door to the kitchen area was wide open when she had gone to her car that night. She walked to the open door from the parking lot 
and called out to see if anyone was there. Suddenly, she got a very, very bad feeling, turned round to her car and sped off. She was totally scared and tried to call and warn us but couldn't find the number for the home. I told her that the back door was definitely closed when we checked that area. We never found out what type of creepy freaks snuck around there that night, and many night shift workers reported similar experiences the following month. The co-worker I had to work with that night was fired after more and more complaints about his person and attitude emerged over time. I'm glad I don't have to work there anymore, and never will do a night shift again. Stalked at night while car camping in rural Washington by Tubular. This happened to my husband and I about three years ago in late November. It still gives us chills to this day. While living in Seattle, my husband and I would frequently go surfing. Usually we'd drive out to near Bay or Westport, but on this particular weekend, the surf report looked pretty messy for spots located directly on the coast. We decided instead to try hitting some spots along the Strait of Juan de Fuca. The land along the strait is beautiful, but remote. You can only access it by driving all the way along Highway 112, which runs from Port Angeles to Nia Bay. There's no cell service along almost all of Highway 112, and only a smattering of small towns. So, we decided to try surfing along the strait at this one spot, Twin. We'd surfed there before, and had a good lay of the land. The report showed that the waves would be best in the early morning, so we opted to drive out the evening before and sleep in our car overnight. Since it was late November, we decided to forego paying for a camping spot at a nearby campground, and would just park somewhere along the beach at Twin. We figured there would be nobody there, and we were right. We arrived around 3.30pm, and the only other people parked there were a young couple in their Westphalia. Nothing terribly eventful occurred between our arrival and 7pm. We arrived, cooked some dinner, and took a quick walk along the beach. The only other thing that occurred was just before sunset, we heard this loud whistling, and then saw some guy who'd been walking along the highway come down to the entrance toward the beach. My husband and I thought it was pretty fucking odd, given that there's absolutely no way you can easily walk to along that highway. All he had with him was a tiny backpack, so he definitely wasn't hiking. He said hello to the young couple as he walked along the beach, and they invited him to hang out by their campfire for a while. The last time we saw any of them that night was when my husband and I decided to call it a night and go to sleep. This was about 7pm. I woke up an hour later, and opened the car door a bit to get some fresh air. I noticed that the young couple's Westphalia was gone, and something about them being gone unnerved me. I couldn't put a logical finger on why, so I chalked up my feelings to just being tired and lay back down. When I woke next, it was close to 11pm, and this time I shot up so quickly that my husband woke up. He asked what was wrong, and I said nothing, just that I woke up startled. He seemed completely relaxed and fell straight back asleep, but I stayed up for about 15 minutes, trying to listen for anything. In hindsight, I think my intuition was screaming to me that something was off, since I didn't hear anything, 
I laid back down, and really tried to focus on getting some sleep. About twenty minutes later, I woke up again, and this time, my husband was already up. He was sitting silently, listening. Him sitting so still freaked me out, so I turned on the interior car lights and asked him what was up. He whispered someone was tapping on the windows. I remember feeling this deep sense of dread. When I woke up a few hours ago, I noticed that the couple in the Westphalia laughed. There's no one else camping here. At that, we both put our shoes on, grabbed flashlights, a knife, pepper spray, and opened the doors. Total silence. Pitch black darkness. My husband started up towards the trees behind us to look around, while I stood by our car and shined a light down onto the beach. I saw no one, and sat on the back bumper, while he continued to look. I checked to see if I had cell service. Nope, nothing. Maybe two minutes later he returned, walking fast. We need to leave. There's a car parked up by the exit road. It's just sitting there with the lights off and the ignition on. I couldn't tell if anyone was inside. In no more than 60 seconds, we threw everything in the front seats into the back where we'd been sleeping, started the car, and started driving back up towards the entrance road. We didn't want a chance taking the exit road and driving by the car. We peeled out of there so fucking fast. But in a moment of disorientation, my husband turned the wrong way and started driving down the highway towards near bay. As we started going the wrong way, we drove past the exit road, and lo and behold, there was the car, now with its lights on. A few seconds later, we noticed that the car was speeding up behind us. I practically screamed, what the fuck are you doing? There's basically nowhere to turn around. Luckily, we saw a small turnout coming up. I remember my husband just repeating, fuck, 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 and then cutting hard to the left. As soon as we cut left, the persons following us just kept going in the same direction. We took off down the highway, going like 90, back towards Port Angeles. No one followed us the rest of the way back. I still feel deeply creeped out when thinking about the intentions of whoever was in that car. Old Man in the Woods by MTMR 2022 This story takes place in late 2009. As a young kid, my friends and I would spend all summer exploring the surrounding areas in our small New England town. We would spend all day just exploring anything and everything we could find. One day, my father told us about an abandoned restaurant deep in the woods. My father told us a story about when he was our age in the early 70s, the restaurant was owned by the local mafia, and that group was under investigation at the time for some local people that had gone missing. The rumour around town was that the mafia had killed the missing people and dumped the bodies in the quarry that was in the back of the restaurant. This was never proven, but it was never disproven. After hearing the story, it made my friend and I want to find this location more than ever. By the time we went looking for the location, it had been long closed, and most of the records had been lost to time. The rest of the summer, we made it our goal to find this location. Then, on a still September evening, 
we finally found it. At the time, we had such a rush that we finally found the place we'd been looking for. We had about two hours left of sun, so we decided to do as much exploring as we could do for the day. We started to walk around the outside of the area, which had been almost fully taken over by nature. When we finally got to the main building, it was still in decent shape for being unused for 20 plus years. After a little exploring the outside of the building, we found a way in the building through a broken door. We took out our old flip phones and used the screens as a small light. At this point, we had about an hour of sunlight left, and it was soon to be dark. So, we walked around the upper part of the restaurant, and all of a sudden, we heard a noise that broke the quiet, still air. I looked at my friend, and in a low voice, I asked him if he heard that. He shook his head, and mouthed the word, yes. At this point, we thought it was just an animal, so we kept exploring. We finally got to the lower part of the restaurant, and as we walked down the steps, we heard another noise, much like that first one. At this point, my friend was freaking out, and was pulling on my arm to head out of the building. Right as I turned my head to look at him, I caught a black object that darted from one side of the hall to the other. At this point, I was freaked out too, and wanted to get out of that place as fast as I could. We were hauling ass up the stairs now, and running as fast as we could to get to that broken door. At this point, the sun had mostly fell behind the trees as we made it out of the building. I swear, we didn't stop running for what felt like miles, and when we felt we had gotten far enough away, we stopped. Gasping for breath, we turned and looked at each other, and my friend had this look in his eyes that said it all. We had no idea if what we saw was real, or just made up in our minds. We walked back to my house. By the time we got back, it was about 9pm. We talked about what we saw, and made a plan to head back the next day during the morning, and see if we can find out what we saw was real or not. The next day, my friends and I made the hour or so walk back to the building. The first thing we did was to go and look in the area we had been in the night before. We entered the building as quietly as we could. We got to the lower part, and looked in the area I saw the black figure. We went into the room I had seen the black mass, and on the floor was a mess of old bedding and nasty-looking shirts and pants, but no person. After seeing this, we felt very unnerved, and again wanted to leave the area. We left the building and decided to try and find the quarry that my dad had told us about. It took about ten minutes to find it, but we did. We wanted to walk around the outside of that huge rock face. We got about halfway around the huge circle when we heard some sounds that sounded like heavy footsteps no more than 20 feet away from us. Before we could figure out what was happening, a huge, nasty-looking man in his late 40s with long, light-coloured hair jumped out and tackled my friend. I started to kick and punch the man trying to get him off of my friend. After what felt like an eternity, the man got up and pulled out a large hunting knife from his pants. In the moment the man was going for the knife, I pulled my friend up, and we ran as fast as we could to get away from the old man. We sprinted as fast as we had the night before, but this time, we knew what we saw was real. We got back to my house in about half the time it usually takes. As we got in and locked the door, we fell to the floor, 
in a scared and shocked mood. My friend wanted me to call my dad and tell him what we just went through. At the time, I was too scared and too shocked to do anything. We waited till both my parents got home to tell them what had taken place that morning. We explained to them the story from the night before and what took place today. After telling them what happened, we could tell they fully didn't believe what we told them. My friends and I went to my room and got upset that my parents didn't believe us. We just tried to get over it and move on. Later that night, my friends and I were sitting in the living room playing a video game at about 11. At this point, we had started to move on from the events of the day, when all of a sudden, we saw the backyard light turn on and got scared, almost having flashbacks to the events prior. I built up the nerve to go to the back door and look outside. I noticed that the shed door was cracked open and knew for a fact that we always kept that door shut. I ran up to my parents' room and shook my dad to get him up and see what was going on outside. He was annoyed that I had woken him, but he soon agreed and walked down and saw what we were talking about and decided to take a look and see what was outside. He cracked the door and slowly walked towards the shed. My dad got about five feet away from the shed when an older man ran out of there and back into the woods at the back of my house. My dad ran to the house and told me to call the police. I did, and within about five minutes the cops showed up. I had to tell them my story of what took place at the abandoned building in the woods. After telling the cops what happened, they went to go look in the shed and found a large hunting knife on the floor. The police confiscated it and told my parents that they would have cops in the area looking for the man. A week passes and the police had still not caught the man or had any new information, so we started to move on with our life. Fast forward about eight years later, my friend and I are now in college. I was calling my mum one day and she said she had a news story she needed to send me. Upon receiving it, I saw that it was a story of a local man who had gone missing a week ago while hiking in the woods that surrounded my town. The man was found dead in the same building where many years ago I had the encounter with the old man. I'm not saying he had anything to do with it, but it seems like a strong connection. At the time of this telling, they have never found the person who killed the man in the building. Hey guys, thank you so, so much for listening to today's video. I hope you're sufficiently creeped out. If not, and you're excited for the trailer news that I mentioned last video, don't worry, it's coming this week, and it's going to be a doozy, I promise you. Remember to always like, share, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Also, hit the notification bell so you'll know when the next video comes out. If you'd also like to send in a story, make sure to send it to the email in the description box. I'm currently working on a few different things in the channel, so that information might change soon, so just keep an eye on it. It'll always be updated in every video. So, until next time, sleep tight. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.